the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome to today's episode of The Situation Report. Very glad to have you joining me. My name is Jeremy Stolnicker. I am your host for this very important episode discussing a topic that uh, really, whether it's important to you right now or not, it should be. You cannot avoid it. This is the show. We start off every episode this way. This is the show where we do our best to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. Information and perspectives. Today's show does both of those things. In an ever-changing culture, there are a lot of things, a lot of issues that we could point to to demonstrate that culture is indeed changing. But one of the big issues is related to gender. Uh, there are other issues connected to that, but gender identity, maybe it's homosexuality, perhaps it is the transgender movement, everything around it, everything connected to it, these are issues that once we could avoid if we wanted to, we can no longer avoid them. They're here. Culture is talking about them. Uh, things that once were outside of the pale of normal cultural conversation are mainstream. In fact, we've even talked about this on this show. So many of these issues are being taught to children at a very young age in schools across America. Maybe this is something you have encountered, something you've dealt with, uh, something you're dealing with right now. We want to talk a little bit about this. And uh, again, this is a hard conversation to have, unless you have experienced what we're talking about. I have a guest on today. Janet Boynes is my guest. She's written an incredible book, which we're going to talk about uh, here in the episode. But Janet understands this issue of homosexuality because she grew up in an abusive environment. She entered into a homosexual relationship, lived that lifestyle for a number of years, and then had a transformation take place in her life, had people come around her who helped her to move beyond that identity and move into the life God created her to live. Uh, it's an amazing story. Her story doesn't end simply with her, however. She understood that she then, having moved through that, had a responsibility to steward over that story and help others, and that's exactly what she does every day. She is living a life doing her very best through her ministry and through the organizations that she's a part of, a conference that she'll tell us about, books that she's written, to help families who are struggling with this, help individuals who are struggling with this, help churches that are trying to understand how they can best help those in their community. Very grateful today to have on our guest, Janet Boynes. My guest today is Janet Boynes. Very, very excited to have her on with us. We've actually been trying to get this scheduled for quite a while. Uh, Janet, for those of you that don't, don't know her, she wrote a great book. I'm going to read off the back of the book. She is the founder of Janet Boynes Ministries in Make, Maple Grove, Minnesota, um, and she founded that to challenge individuals and the church to reach out with a message of hope and restoration to the homosexual community. Uh, if you are watching, you can see the cover of the book, God and the LGBT Community. And Janet, I think this is your third book. Is that right on this topic? It is. 
It is my third book on that topic. Absolutely. Thank it, you for having me. Uh, well, I, I appreciate you so much for coming on. We met at the National Religious Broadcasters Conference and had a great conversation. And when I started reading your book, you were gracious enough to give me a copy to sign it for me. I, I've been reading it over the, actually the last couple of weeks, a little bit at a time. Um, man, it's just so fantastic. When we talked, you said, you told me a little bit of your story. You said, I like to approach this with compassion but with truth and reading the book, that's exactly what it is. It can be such a help to so many people. Um, thank you for that. So that's, that's that. But please start by telling us your story, if you would. Uh, your story really is what gives you so much credibility on this issue. And uh, your testimony, as is the case for all of us, is extremely yeah. powerful. It's the bridge that connects hearts. Um, if you wouldn't mind, just tell us your story. That's a wonderful place to start, I think. Well, thank you so much. And and I, I just want to go back what you talked about that I mentioned compassion without compromise. Yeah. What yeah. a lot of people don't realize is that we don't have to compromise our convictions to love somebody or stand right. up for righteousness. And so that's why we, we like to center around compassion without compromise. When you said that when we were talking, um, I've been around ministry for a long time. Right. <laughs> so, so people say things like that, and they don't always mean what they say. And, yeah. and you said it. You were very sincere. I didn't question that yeah. you were not sincere. Right. But I've read every word of this, this book, and that is exactly what it is. I was concerned that it was either going to be one or the other, yeah. that it would be very hard to handle this issue without compromise. And, and you did it. it it's so yeah. gracious and so kind and yet so true to Scripture. And, and yeah. I appreciate that a great, great deal. Thank you so much, because when I asked for those who endorsed this book, they had to read that. And that's what they said. Also, yeah. Yeah. they want me to stand up for righteousness. They don't right. want me to lean to the left, to the right, but stay in the center from Genesis to Revelation. That's, and that's my goal, because I think when we start lying and start compromising, mm the truth will never prevail. Nobody will ever believe us. And, right. and I think the Gen Z's and millennials today, Michael, want us to be authentic, transparent. Just, yeah. just say what's on your yeah. heart because they're going to tell you anyway. But yeah. with that being said, you know, I was raised, you know, in a family of seven kids with four different fathers. And when you've been raised in a family of seven kids, four different fathers, yeah. middle child, and confused about where you came from, even though my my the man that raised me you know, I consider my dad because he is the only one I knew. He was an alcoholic and there was always intense fellowship at our home. And I tried to tell a lot of people that if you're living a homosexual life or if you're dealing with drug or or if you're out killing somebody and robbing banks, there's a start yeah. <laughs> to where yeah. all that happens. Yeah. And most of the time it happens in our childhood. Yeah. It's not a midlife crisis. Something happened where there was so much trauma that yeah. you're willing to go out and and deal with that trauma by by doing the things that opposes biblical principles. Yeah. And so with that yeah. being said, you know, my mom was abused. I watched her get beat and knocked down steps. And, you know, God bless her because I don't know how anybody can stay in a relationship. But when you don't think there's any way out and you've been told so many times you're worthless, sure. I see and I understand why mom stayed in it. But when you stay in those type of relationships and you wonder why your children are acting out, yeah, you, this, that's why. Because that's I went why. to school yeah. and I act out. And, and Michael, what I didn't understand is 
I would go to school and repeat what I saw at home, but yeah. I was getting in trouble for it. Yeah. I was getting spankings. Yeah, I was right, getting kicked right, out of school. Well, right. wait a minute. This is what I'm seeing at home. <laughs> right. So I tell parents, yeah. you know, when you're talking with your kids or when you're raising children, they're not necessarily going to look at what you or listen to what you say. They're going to watch what you do and they're going to mimic that's that. Right. And yeah, that's right. what I did. Yeah. I mimicked what my parents were doing and I got yeah. the spankings and nobody said, well, you're getting a spanking because it is. You're just a bad kid. Yeah. And during that time I was being, you know, um, raised by my mom, my oldest sister's father, who my mom was married to at that time, even though she was living with somebody else, I used to follow her, me and my youngest sister, like two little ducks, you know, <laughs> down to his house. And this one particular day, Michael, he sent my oldest sister and my youngest sister to the store. And he said, hey, I want Janet to help me with something. And I'm thinking, oh, cool. You know, I'm getting to help, you know, yeah. dad with something because I called him dad too, but he raped me. Yeah. And I was at the age of 13 and I never told anybody and God forbid me telling my mother because number one, I was going to get blamed and I was going to get beatings mm. and we got beatings with broom handles, stenching cords, yeah, and right. we were butt naked. I wasn't, I didn't want another one of those spankings is what my mom called. It. So I kept that inside and I suffered in silence from the age of 13 until I was 21. And then I, at the age of 21, you know, my eighth grade English teacher took me under her wing because she was the only person who saw something in me. She used to say, Boings, you have so much potential. But nobody else believed that. Mm. I didn't even believe that. It's like, mm. how could she see something that I don't even yeah. see? Everybody yeah. called me the worst kid on the block and sure. I'd be dead by the time I'm 21. So at the age of you know, oh. 21, I left college and I went to Minneapolis, Minnesota, where she was. And she got me into Concordia College, which is like a Christian school. And there was a girl one day out of the blue, her name was Mary. And I wish I could find her today, Michael, hmm. just so she could see what my life has yep. become. Yep. And she invited me to church. I went to church and I said, yeah. And I asked Jesus into my heart and I started yeah. serving the Lord. I went home and told my family about my newfound faith. And during that time I was home, my brother at that time was living a homosexual life. He was a cross dresser. They call them transgenders today. Mm. You're not gender reassignment because he didn't have that. Yeah. That was a cross dresser back then. Now they call him transgender. Sure, sure. He told me that he was suffering, um, that he had the virus and I didn't understand it. And I didn't understand what he was dealing with. I went back and I started dating this guy because when I grew up, I said, I would never date a man that my mother dated. I will never date a black man and I will never date somebody who's going to beat me up. And so I dated a Caucasian guy. We were supposed to get married August, you know, 1985. And three months before I was supposed to walk down the aisle, I met this girl and I wound up having a sexual relationship with her. And I was at an Assemblies of God church at that time. Wow. And I walked away from my faith for 14 years. Wow. And that's how it started. Yeah. As you know, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Now Mike has done it again by introducing his My Slippers. For a limited time, you will save $90 on a pair of My Slippers. This blowout sale of the year won't last, so order now. Mike has taken two years to develop the My Slippers, and they are designed to wear both indoor and out all day long. Made with MyPillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue, they are also made with quality leather suede. Call 1-800-870-0283, use the promo code SITREP, or go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code SITREP. This offer will not last long, so order now with promo code SITREP at MyPillow.com. 
What, um, I have a lot of questions. You'll talk more about your, your faith and your faith journey on the other side of that, but um, was there something in, you went to Concordia, you went to, you got involved in church, you made a profession of faith at that time. Um, was there something in all of that? Let me try to get to my question. <laughs> when I see people who walk away from their faith or they say they depart from their faith or they lose their faith, those kind of things, um, typically there's something in the process of them coming into faith, of understanding who God is. And maybe it's it's bad discipleship. Maybe it's the people that are around them. Maybe they were pressured into making a public profession of faith. Was that you or was it, it was a sincere journey, but something happened along the way? I believe it. I thought I was a Christian, which I yeah. believe that I was. My the guy that I was going to marry was a professional bike racer for a place called Flander Brothers. So, you know, bike racers, they pop yeah. up at night and they're gone all day and he's a drummer and we didn't spend a lot of time. And so I believe I was still searching for some type of love, some type of affection. And during that time, that girl showed it to me because yeah. being the middle child, my mom never really showed me that or, or said how much she loved us. Even when she died two years ago, February, I still was looking for something from her on her deathbed, which I never got. So I knew that I wasn't going to get it at that time. I didn't get it then, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm still in a place where I'm still healing from my childhood. Yeah. You know, if somebody, if a guy yells at me, something will rise up inside of me. Sure. Like, Whoa. Sure. You yeah, know? Sure. But I think during that time that I was still searching and I was broken and this girl gave me something that I was looking for from my mother. Right. I believe she started paying attention. She right. was giving me a hug. She was affirming me, you know, and one night I stayed at her home and we wind up having a sexual relationship. Yeah. What I didn't know is that she was already living that life. She right. told me, I mean, her dad was a pastor. So yeah. I assume that, you know, she was a Christian like I was, but it happened that night. So. Why, why don't we talk more about abuse in the lives of people who um, get into a homosexual lifestyle, particularly now with transgenderism and all of this kind of being right at the top of what we're talking about culturally? Uh, you had Walt Heyer write one of the chapters of your book talking about uh, his transgender life and coming out of that and what all that looked like. Why don't we talk more about the abuse? It seems like that's just all been kind of buried. We never deal with that. We've normalized what really isn't normal. Mm -hmm. I think my personal opinion is because we're listening to the woke culture. Yeah, right, <laughs> you know, right. We, we hear more from, you know, CNN and MSNBC and Good Morning America. You know, a lot of these shows that have gay people on them, and they have silenced us to a point where we can't even get our voices out there. Yeah. And they're listening to what the gay community is saying. And their voices are louder than ours. And that's why it was so important when I approached you at the NRB that you had me on our show. Because if not you, then who? Yeah. If not Joni Lamb, then who? If it's not my spiritual dad, James Robeson, then who? If not yeah. Andrew Walmack, then who? We need Christians to put us on our show so we can tell people change is possible through the power yeah. of Jesus Christ. That's He's no respecter as a person. If he does it for me, he can do it for you. And we don't talk about it is because I believe that there's so much pain behind it. And when we're looking at our churches today, and I'm a pastor, I'm credentialed under the Assemblies of God. And I asked my spiritual father, James Rowison, about this, you know, and he wrote a letter, which I can send to you, telling pastors, look. If you want somebody to come and speak on this issue and have compassion, 
janitor person, but we, he believes that pastors are walking in so much fear because the gay community, we have given them so much momentum and we've given them so much power. Yeah. And then when they threaten us, we yeah. like clam up like they could take our church away. Well, wait a minute. If God gave us that church, if God gave you your ministry situation report, nobody could take that from you. But yeah, you. right, right. What's crazy <laughs> you know? to me, what, what's so crazy to me about this, and I, I've been struck with this over the years when listening to people talk about this issue in particular, particularly as a Christian, we, we say it's about love and it's about compassion. We use the compassion argument a lot. We need to love people. We need to be compassionate. That's 100% true. However, <laughs> It is not compassionate or loving to ignore the trauma of a person's childhood, to ignore the pain and the brokenness that they're dealing with, to kind of cover it up and say, what you're doing is fine, what you're doing is normal, because those people out there say it is. So for Christian people, and particularly church people, churches, to say, well, the compassionate thing to do is to be accepting of, not the person, we should be accepting of the person, but of the lifestyle, we need to be accepting of that. There's, there's nothing compassionate about that. And there seems, mm-hmm. to me, it, it's such a disconnect that I, I just don't understand it. It's, the, it's a disconnect because if you don't support their worldview, there's an attack coming. Yeah. You know, and yeah. parents, especially parents, pastors that have loved ones that are living a homosexual life, parents who call me on a regular basis. I received a call yesterday from a mom saying, look, my daughter's about to get married and I'm thinking about going to the wedding because if I don't go to the wedding, I might not see her again. Mm. Well, wait a minute. Jesus did everything right. I told her and they still nailed me to the cross. (laughs) You know what I mean? You can't get any more right than what he has done for us. And I said that we have to first love him with all our heart, mind, and soul. The Bible talks about that there's going to be a separation. The Bible talks about that there's going to be a great fall away. You know, but God is very capable because he's omnipresent, folks. He's all-knowing. And he can get to your child before you can get to him or get to your loved one because he can see them and he knows what they need. So what we're afraid of is losing that loved one when God loves them far more than we could ever love that child. God wants that child to Mm. serve him, but not because they have to, but because they want to. Yeah, that's good. Um, Man, let's pick up your story. And then again, we'll continue from there. You found yourself in this this relationship uh, for a number of years. I can't remember how many years you told me. 14 years. What was it that changed in you that began the process of, of moving beyond that to where you are now? Thank you for using the word process because it is a process. It's a process. People think, oh, I went and got saved and all of a sudden I changed like that. Well, I'm not going to put God in the box because he can do that. Sure. But that didn't work for me, you know. But, you know, my sin that I indulged in, one, I never believe I was born that way. But, man, Michael, I was having a field day. Mm. You know, I was enjoying the life of lesbianism. Sure, sure. You know, I had money. I had women. I had everything I wanted. I was getting all the attention that I was starving mm. sure, for. Sure, right, right. You know, when I was with my my fiancé. But there came a point where I no longer j- enjoyed that sin. It wasn't fulfilling the need. I was empty. I started doing drugs. I had to put myself in treatment in 1989 wow. when I worked for a Ford Motor Company because I was so strung wow. out on cocaine. I thought, I am not going down yeah. like this. So that was the first thing I did. But I was medicating my pain. After that, I started an eating disorder. Mm. I thought, you know, somebody said, you know, you can throw up, you know, and that will <laughs> right. solve your problems. Yeah, right. You know, that didn't solve my problems. And 
So I was going from relationship to relationship to relationship, from drugs to throwing up in the hospital, out of the hospital. Nothing was working for me. And you know, a lot of times when we're searching for something to fill a void, we're looking for everything else around us. If I eat more, you know what I mean? If I do this and that didn't work for me. And the Lord really started working on my heart. There was a church down the street from me. And it was called Maple Grove Assemblies of God. But for five years of living in my home, I never saw that church out of my peripheral vision. Right, it was right. literally one mile down hmm. the street. And so one day I'm driving down the street with the girl, my girlfriend at that time. And I saw this church out of my peripheral vision. I said, oh, my gosh, I'm going to go to that church one day. My girlfriend looked at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> You're going to go to that church one day, you know? And she actually said, why don't you go? And I'm thinking, I'm not going there. Are you kidding me? And at that time, I was shopping in Macy's men's department. I looked more like a man than you did at that time, <laughs> you know? The boxers are strapping down, you know, the breasts. If we mm. want to be transparent and real. I don't know if you heard about it, but – but um I think it's Target yeah, is going to start selling. Yep. Yeah, it's like, yeah. are you kidding me? So yeah. what we use to strap them down, they're actually going to sell yeah. the bandages that just go over and they strap them down so they can be more like a man. But as I went down the street, there was something about that church. And I knew it was the Holy Spirit because I used to shake my fingers at God and said, I'm not coming if you want me, catch me. I could hear God's voice. I'm yeah. not that stupid. Yeah. I was afraid of hell, you know? Yeah. So... <laughs> You know, I started a cleaning business, which was remarkable. And this is five years after I saw that church. Lifetime Fitness was one of my main clients. I maintained mm. their cardio. I'm still a member of Lifetime today. And during that time at three o'clock in the morning, I knew I wasn't going to do drugs because I had put myself in treatment. Mm. But it was 1998. I told my staff I'm going to the store. I went to the store and it was a grocery store a block away. This woman was coming out and I was going in. And we literally stopped and had a conversation. I said, ma'am, it's three o'clock in the morning. Are you kidding me? What yeah. are you doing out here? Yeah. You know? And I said, she goes, oh, I just dropped my son off at school. I said, ma'am, I'm not going to hurt you. You don't have to tell me a lie. There's no schools open three o'clock in the morning. Right. You know, she said, oh, um, I just dropped my son off at his dorm. My husband and I are going on vacation. Mm. And so we have four boys. We need to get groceries for them. I said, well, can you tell me what school is open? And she said, North Central Bible College. And that's when the wheels mm. started turning because before I walked away from my faith, I took homiletics and hermeneutics wow, there. Wow, so I wow. knew she was a Christian. And I told her, well, yeah, I used to go to school there and I'm living a homosexual life and or a lesbianism. And she pulled out a brochure and she started writing down. She said, look, I'll be back in two weeks. Here's my phone number. Why don't you call me? This is the church I go to. And it was the church right down the street yeah, from me. Right. Maple yeah. Grove Assemblies yeah. of God. Two yeah. weeks later, I um, called her and I went to church and rededicated my heart to the Lord. That's unbelievable. What an Isn't amazing that crazy? story. Isn't that crazy? That Only God can story. do that. Only God can do that. <laughs> what did God. it look like on the other side of that? You had a girlfriend. You were in a community, I would imagine, of people who you know believed you to be one way. That cannot be an easy process to change your entire life. Yeah. It was difficult and it was not easy. I knew I was going to have to walk this thing out, but I was ready. I was just like a ripe tomato, just ready to just do the work. And so Tammy, her name was Tammy Brown. Um, her son is uh, Matt Brown. He's an evangelist. I don't know mm. if you ever heard of Matt mm. Brown out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. No. But um, she said, Janet, there's a women's Bible study in the pastor's office. And it's it's only for 10 people because it's a small office, but 
would you like to go? And I said, sure. I didn't know what I was getting myself yeah. into. I knew right after this group on a Tuesday night, I was going to work. So I came with the scarf around my head mm. and sweats because I was going to go to work. I didn't know what to expect. You know, I dressed like yeah. a dude at that time. <laughs> and I got there and I saw these women around the table. I swear to God, Michael, I tried to backpedal. Yeah, yeah. My, I was yeah. in, I wasn't going nowhere. I was spinning wheels, but I could move forward and I couldn't move backwards. Mm. I don't know how that <laughs> happened. We yeah. could say it was God, but I believe it was. So I went and sat down and they saw that I was there because they were expecting me. They didn't know if I was going to show up. And we did our little go around. Everybody introduced himself. I was last. And I told him my name is Janet Points. And if you help me, I'll serve the Lord the rest of my life. Mm. These women gathered around me like, like nobody's business. I thought they were going to tell me I had to change my clothes, the way I looked, and I had to do this and I had to do that. The only thing they did was one, love me. I went out on dates with them and their husbands, they took me <laughs> with them. I don't know why they did that, but it was amazing. I would go hang out their houses and one of the family, one of the leaders came to me and said, Janet, my husband and I have been praying. We have three kids. They had two girls and a boy. We'd love for you to come live with us. At the age of 40, I sold my home. My girlfriend moved out and I moved in with a Christian family. And mm. then the real work began yeah. because I, even though I lived with that family, I kept calling this girl at that time. And I never forget when the lady of the house came, I just don't want to say her name, said, you know, if you keep calling her, you're going to have to move out. Mm. You know, we have three yeah. kids and yeah. I didn't want to move out. I felt like finally I have a family. So I stopped calling her. And the Lord really started working in my heart where I've learned and watched how the husband treat his wife and, you know, how she treated her husband, how she treated her kids. And I could hear them outside my door praying for me and wow. praying for the kids. Wow. And it was just amazing. And the journey, I never looked back. I just kept moving forward. Yeah. And the Lord really, really did a deep work in my heart. That's amazing. Uh, one of the, you, you just kind of made this point in passing, but you talk about this in the book that we try, I think it was in the section on churches, we try to move people from being homosexual to being heterosexual, when really what we need to do is help them grow in the relationship with the Lord, and the rest of it will change. And, and that's exactly what you just described. Yeah, you know, we, we're always trying to do that, move people from, you know, homosexuality to heterosexuality. And, and, and even parents, they see their kid come out of homosexuality, whether it's a boy or a girl, and they start dating a boy or a girl, and they're so excited. Well, that's right. not what you want, because now yeah, the right. only thing they do is still <laughs> medicating their pain. Right. We want them to walk in holiness, Yes, you know, and find yeah. that foundation in Jesus Christ, and the rest will take care of itself, Yeah, you know. And so for me, that's what happened. And even at the age of 64, as much as I would love to get married tomorrow, I'm still single. And a lot of people go, oh, you're still a lesbian. That's why you're single. No, I'm single because God obviously wants me to be single. If he sure. wants to bring somebody in my life, I will know it. Mark my word, folks, mm. I could get married tomorrow because there's guys out there who would like to date <laughs> me. It would just be to the wrong person. Sure, It just doesn't work. And I don't want to get married or date somebody just for the sake of doing it. I want to do it because God blessed it. Yeah, that's right. Um, man, what an incredible story. If you were to sit down, and you do this often, but you were to sit down with uh, a mom and a dad whose child, I guess of any age, came to them and said, I believe I'm a homosexual, um, you know, I'm a boy attracted to other boys, girl attracted to other girls, or um, I'm, I'm really struggling with this transgender thing, 
again, this is being taught in schools in some places as young as kindergarten. Um, and so the doors have swung open. I mean, there was a time, you know, where that wasn't the case. But that is the case. So this is being talked about at school. Kids are making decisions now they never made, uh, wouldn't have made in the past. What do you tell that parent who's, who's probably reeling from this information? A Christian home, let's say. So they've right. taught their kids what the Bible says. This is the conversation they just had. Now they're trying to figure out what to do next. What do you tell them? We, we get that on a regular basis. We are seeing sexual uncleanness like yeah. never before. Yeah. We have more youth, millennials and Gen Zs with Gen Zs right now at 40 to 50% are leaving the pack of walking away from their faith and going into the life of homosexuality. We have more leaving their faith than they are coming to yeah. their faith. Yeah. And that tells me it's not necessarily the church. And we want to blame somebody, so we blame right. the church. Right, sure, sure. But it really extends from our childhood. When I talk with parents, which we hear from on a regular basis, on my child is living a homosexual life, what should we do? I like to talk to the parent because the child will have a different perspective than the parent. Yeah, right, sure. On, to learn a little bit about the childhood, about the child. You know, I asked mom, you know, if your daughter you know, came to you, or if your son came to you, tell me what they would say about you. What kind of relationship do you have yeah. with them? And I asked dad the same question. Normally you'll find out that the daughter doesn't have a good relationship yeah. with mom yeah. or dad was aloof. He always worked. He doesn't go to any of the, you know, his son's, you know, piano lessons or basketball games. Right. He doesn't even talk to his son. And I tell parents that a lot of times you only teach your kids what you've been taught. Mm, yeah. You know, and so if you were taught a certain thing, you know, growing up, that's what you're going to pass on to your child because that's what was passed on to me. I didn't know any better. When you know better, you do better. Yeah. So let's talk about your childhood. <laughs> to be honest with you, yeah. I literally skipped the parents yeah. talking that's about their kids. Yeah. I said, let's talk about your childhood. Yeah. What happened when you grew up? What happened when your husband? And they tell me, man, there's a lot of brokenness there. So what they did was taught their kids and did to their kids what their parents did to them. Mm -hmm. I said, what if we talk about getting you some help first? Right. And yeah. when you become whole, wow. when you get the help that you need and you start changing, I can't guarantee your child will change. But what you want to do is fix your child, which you can't fix anybody. Right. Only person right. we can change is ourselves. But let's get you the best help that we can get you in your marriage right now, because you're not even talking yeah. on the same page. And then let's talk about your child later. And that's where we end up. And they are very happy because they're broken. Yeah. They're broken and they're trying to blame their child. Well, the child is out there most of the time. Sorry, parents, I'm just being transparent. But sometimes we have to admit that we could be the problem. Not all the time. Sure, of course. Sometimes we are. Yeah. What do you, what should a parent say? What should the first conversation with a child be who comes and says, Mom and Dad, I need to tell you something. Um, I'm a homosexual. I know you don't agree with this, but this is who I am. My response would be to start screaming probably, and I might uh, might throw something over. I know that's not the right response, but that would be my natural response. What should that first conversation look like? It, it normally is the response. And and I, I get it. You know, I remember when my brother told my mom in high school that he yeah. was gay. <laughs> right. She threw him out the house. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it was different for me, but she literally threw him out the house. It should be like... Okay, thank you for, for sharing that with me. I don't support your views, but would you give 
your father and I a little time to talk sure, about this. And can we talk about this in a few days? Give us a chance mm. to process. This, that's good. Yeah, that's good. You know, and so that's what I try to tell the parents. But let's talk about my niece for a minute. She, if you go to my podcast, Healing in May Free with Janet Boynes, my niece is a lesbian. She came to my conference last wow. year, yeah, wow. her and her girlfriend. And my niece said that the reason why we're so close and my other niece is coming, who's 19. She's a lesbian. She's coming this year in June. She booked her flight. The reason why we get along so well is because I'm very honest and transparent. Mm. I don't beat them down. Yeah. I love on them, but they know if they have a civil union, Aunt Janet's not coming. Your girlfriend and you cannot come over in my home together. You can come over my niece anytime you want. But I just like I won't allow pornography yeah. in my home. Yeah. I will. I won't allow somebody who's not married to sleep together in my home. To me, homosexuality. And I explained that to them. They get that. And they said what they like about me is that I still hang out with them individually when I fly back to Philadelphia. Mm. And we talk all the time. And I don't judge them. Yeah. Now, when I say don't judge them, we should judge people. Don't hmm. get me wrong. It's talking about Luke 17, 3. You know, you have to make a judgment. Right. And because that's the only way you can rebuke people. But there's a different way of judging somebody based on what they're doing. You know, yeah. we still have to have a little compassion and ask ourselves what got them there. What is the root cause of what got them there? And my niece and my nephews will tell you, that one, my nephew didn't have a good relationship with my brother growing up. He was not there for him then, but he's there for him now. Yep. And both of my nieces didn't have the relationship with their moms that they should have had. Yeah. And that's the same thing with me. So, If a person who, you know, like yourself, similar to your testimony, they come to the point where they say, I, I, I want to get out of this. I want to move on. Um, Either they've exper experienced uh, salvation, they've accepted Christ, or, you know, they were a Christian, but they've come to understand whatever. Someone's come into their life and helped them. <clears throat> what, what is the, the path? You, you outlined some of this in the Bible, or in the Bible, <laughs> in the Bible that you wrote here, the book that you wrote here. Um, what is the path that a counselor, uh, a mentor at church, a friend, uh, a discipler should help that person then go through. Someone comes to you and says, no, I've been living this way. I want to get out of this. I know this is not what God wants for me. What what step is the next step? What path do you take them on to, to get to where they need to be? Everybody that contacts Janet Boyne's Ministries, I have a few, few counselors that I can recommend to them because I cannot do all the work. I yeah. can't be all things to them. I like to get to church involved. Yep. One, get in a good Bible-based church. One, two, read your Bible. And I try to tell the church, which I think is very important, the church is not a stained glass, it's not a steeple, it's not a building. We are the church. In order for them to walk out of that night, they need to be around like-minded people. Mm. For instance, our men, there's a lot of transgender men who have walked away from their faith. They had gender reassignment surgery, meaning that they had all their organs taken out that were male. They look just like a woman. But when they talk, they might, they probably talk like a man. Hmm. They tithe. They're not having sex. They are committed to Christ. But we, the men in the church don't want to spend time with them or him because he doesn't walk like them, look like them and talk like them. Sure, right. So they're afraid to do that. But how will they be able to become a man if they're not around godly men? I was able to become the woman that I am today is because the women took me under their wings and right. I watched them. So I was able to mimic what they were mm. doing. 
Yeah. And that's what we need to get into the church because healing is a process. That walk out of that life is a process. Don't look at their outer appearance and say, well, whoa, you look like a male or you look like a female and yeah. you shouldn't look like that. That's not important to God. It's what's inside because he's going to work from the inside out, yeah. not the outside in. And so I think we need to concentrate on, on um, discipleship. Yeah. That's that's what we're missing, I believe, in a church. That's what was around when I believe you grew up and I grew yeah. up was people would disciple us. We need to bring that back into the church. Yeah. And once they start changing their community, when I came out of that life, what helped me is I was building a new community. If they don't, they'll go back to the community mm, yep. that they're familiar with. Because when you come to church and you hear people like, I'm leaving, nobody wants to be with me. Nobody wants to spend time. They know I came out of homosexuality. I know I don't look like them, but I want to build a community. Let's help them build a community. Yep. Let's get them involved. Maybe yep. not on the front lines. Maybe they're not an usher. Maybe not. Maybe they're behind the scenes, you know, helping with other things. But let's get them involved because that's how you start building a new community. And once they build a new community, they'll start letting go of the old community. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, I highly recommend the book to, uh, to anyone, really, particularly the day and age in which we're living. This is not an issue that you can avoid or that you can pretend doesn't exist. It's everywhere. And particularly as Christians, we need to understand it. Um, one of the great things about this book is it's broken into sections. So uh, first, there's an explanation. Of you start with the person, which is where we should start. You talk about really what this is, what we're talking about, how families can deal with it, how parents can deal with it, how churches can deal with it. Um, there's a section on gender confusion. Uh, Walt Heyer uh, spoke into that. Uh, we've interviewed him on our show before. Uh, then you talk about the church, and then there are a lot of testimonies. I, I definitely recommend this book to anyone um, listening. We all need to read it and have it as a resource. What are some other resources and where can people follow more of the work that, that you and your ministry uh, are a part of? You know, I'm with Harrison House and they started my podcast. They can go to my podcast, Healing and Made Free, any podcast, yeah. anywhere they That's play good. podcasts. We're there. They can go to my website or Google Janet Boynes, B-O-Y-N-E-S. They can go to my website or Amazon. I mean, you can go wherever books are sold to, yeah. to get the books. And, and I do recommend that. Also, we have a conference coming up. Uh, June 23rd and 24th in Tyler, Texas. You might know one of the guys, uh, Dr. Michael Brown, will mm. be speaking, good friend of mine. Yeah. You know, we'll have a psychotherapist, Dr. David Pickup. He'll talk about, you know, just the therapy side of dealing with this issue. Um, Jonathan Alexander worked for Matt Staber, Liberty mm. Council. He's going to talk about the laws. We'll have two of the Pulse nightclub survivors there. Wow. We'll have a girl by the name of Laura Perry who transitioned from woman to man had her organs taken out wow. she's going to share her story wow. and guess what i just went to her wedding she got married this wow. week no kidding you wow. know to a guy yeah. it was a fabulous wedding and man that, that's just showing you the work of god who is that conference you for who, who... this conference is for everybody a lot of pastors are coming and we got a lot of uh registration from pastors because they want to have a better understanding yeah. on how to deal with this. We have parents coming, Janet and Tim Distel on my board. They said this and they helped me write their book. Their daughter has been out at like five years now. Wow. And this is what she said, Michael. She said, Mom and Dad, if you would have supported me and allowed my same sex partner to come over to all the holidays, all the birthday parties, mm -hmm. all the functions. 
I wouldn't serve God because that's not what you taught me. If you go against biblical principles, uh, why well, I want to obey them. Yeah. And so, yeah, that you got parents coming and we have uh, 15 and under young adults are coming. Millennials are coming, you know, so I'm excited about it. We have all ranges, but it's for everybody to have a better understanding. How do we deal with this issue in the 21st century? That's good. Janet Boynes, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate the work that you're doing. We'll do it again. All right. Thanks for having me. Yes, ma'am. Many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. We've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, these men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. Appreciate Janet coming on and not only sharing her story, but giving some very practical insights, perspectives, information on how we can move forward uh, in, in this area. Again, this is one of those areas we'd like to avoid. There was a time 30 years ago where you could if you wanted to, but we can't. And particularly as those who want to be salt and light in our communities, we need to understand not only the issue, but we need to understand how we can help um, compassionately, but hanging on to the truth, those who are struggling through this as well. And Janet does that. Please go to her website, look at her books, resources. Um, she talked about her conference. So many great resources available to us there. Please check those out. If you are not yet subscribed to this show, please subscribe to the Situation Report on your favorite podcast platform. That would be the one you're listening from right now. Go ahead and subscribe. That would be fantastic. Go over to YouTube. You can watch this episode and so many of the other episodes that we've interviewed incredible guests, including one of our very first episodes was with Walt Heyer, who we talked a little bit about in this episode. Um, an amazing story there as well. You can go to YouTube, look for, search for The Situation Report. You'll find us there. And uh, we'd love to have you connect, subscribe, hit that notification bell, leave us a comment, share that content out. That would be awesome. Again, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And we will talk to you next time. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.